Hello and welcome to episode 543 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan, as always, joined by Evan Silva. And today we have a very, very special guest. You know, there's a lot of mock drafters out there. There's a lot of talent evaluators, a lot of bros taking notes on these kids' hip swivels in underwear. And that's all cool. That's all cool. What matters, though, what actually matters, of course, is winning money. And that's why our favorite part, or at least my favorite part, of the draft process is NFL draft props. And in my opinion, our own Anthony Miko is the king of those NFL draft prop streets. Amico, it's a great time of year. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. Happy to be here. Love talking props with you guys. And uh, things are starting to heat up finally. So what's the rock and roll? Things are starting to heat up. Draft will start the final week of April. I believe April 27th is round one. We're recording this here on April 5th. Evan, how's it going? Yeah, and what would an Establish the Run podcast be without a spreadsheet socialist? So um, <laughs> thanks for jumping on board, Amico. And uh, I can't wait to pick your brain. We're still a little far out. I mean, a lot of guesswork going in. Someone asked a really good question uh, when you when you posted about, about the podcast. Adam, I can't remember if you were going to um, add that. But should we, should we be looking at long shots right now primarily? I think that was a really good question. And my, my lean would probably be yes. I mean, I don't have any good information right now. I definitely will get information as we move closer. Um, but, I, I yeah, I would be looking at, at longer shots right now. Yeah, and, and the idea is that this far away from the draft, there's more uncertainty, right? And, like, more information is going to come out. We've seen an incredible run over the last few drafts, NFL, um, NBA, NHL, of guys coming from way back to be the number one pick. Now, we'll talk about that here in a second but we will see it's always something to be aware of this early on today's show we are going to take a first look at the draft prop market we'll likely do another one of these episodes when the draft gets closer today we're going to go through the initial prices how the market's moved to date things to look at right now before we get into it important note if you're listening to this we are discussing and maybe releasing some more draft props for free this year we're releasing them for free but you must be in our Discord. Our Discord is exclusive to people who have an active, established, run subscription. So the Draft Props channel is open to anyone with any active subscription. That means Draft Kit, NFL in-season, XFL, PGA, NBA, NBA props, anything. If you need instructions on how to get into the Discord, go to the Team tab on EstablishTheRun.com and then go to Establish the Discord. Also, reminder that best ball season never stops. Our friends at Underdog have launched a Superflex best ball tournament a lot of interesting strategies people are figuring out on the fly highly recommend you tune into herzig's live streams on our youtube if you're playing that stuff really really interesting strategy around the super flex on underdog if you don't have an underdog account yet pick them on there in a lot of states and you can of course do all of the best ball drafts get ready for the season promo code etr and underdogfantasy.com for a matching sign up bonus up to 100 dollars. that's promo code etr at underdogfantasy.com all right, boys, number one overall pick. Everybody seems to think it's a done deal. And and we've heard this a lot last year. This year maybe feels more solid than years past, Amico. I don't know. CJ Stroud is up to minus 300 in a lot of spots. And by the way, before you guys uh, go out there and bet anything in the draft, this is Evan, cover your ears. Please, I'm begging you, begging you to shop for the best price. There are some crazy disparities in price out there in a lot of this stuff. I'm going to refer mostly the DraftKings because frankly I have that up and they have the largest menu right now. It's obviously can be hard to get action 
on DraftKings, but we are referring to DraftKings prices here. Anyways, CJ Stroud minus 300 to be the number one overall pick. Amico, are you as certain as the market is right now that CJ Stroud is the guy at the top? No, I mean, I think that the Panthers are doing a pretty good job here of, of keeping things close to the vest. A, a lot of the action we saw on that price had a lot to do with, you know, um, some comments that Josh McCown, now their quarterbacks coach, had made when he was working with Underdog. Um, I think a lot of people have kind of just assumed that, that you know, Frank Reich is not going to take a shorter quarterback. Um, so there's a lot of assumptions, I think, going into this. What we do know is that a, a lot of the experts across the industry have Bryce Young as QB1 in their rankings. So, you know, I, I think it's actually pretty close probably between those two guys. Um, you know, we're only a couple years removed from – you know, Niners trading up and and they believe it's for Mac. We believe it's for Mac Jones. And then the card comes in and it's Trey Lance. So I, I think, you know, the NFL definitely incentivizes these teams not to talk about it. The ratings have been down. Like, I, I don't think that they want to leak this pick and I don't think that they have. So uh, I'm still keeping an open mind here. I would say with the, with the first selection. Yeah. I, I'm hopeful that it's still wide open all the way down to Levis, Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, because there are so there were some really long shot prices available on those guys, Evan, I know you got the 31. I have the 31 also on Anthony Richardson. Seems like that ship has sailed, or at least in the market now. Evan, do you think there's any chance that it's not one of CJ Stroud or Bryce Young at number one? I would say that there's definitely a chance that it's not Stroud or Bryce Young. It's just, just think you have to think about it probabilistically, and it's probably just a, a very low percentage. Um, yeah. But I, I think, you know, all of a sudden it, it just shoots us right into the conversation of doing the exact orders bets at the uh, at the top. You know, we've had a lot of success doing this, by the way. I mean, it was um, last year and or uh, the year before, I think. Yeah, we, we rocked it. I mean, I think we got the the first five. And then last year, it was, uh, the key was Derek Stingley mm-hmm. at number three to the Texans. But nail, nailing those exact orders, I mean, that's how you can really – I mean, that's like playing a GPP almost. Like, you you know, you, you can really multiply your bet. Um, and the, the first one that I think is interesting and, – and you can, you can shuffle these guys any, any way, but that the first three picks are, are all quarterbacks and it's Stroud, Young – Richardson or Levis. I, I tend to think that Richardson's going to go before Levis. Um, but I, you know, I, I think that it's, it's a springboard right into thinking about those exact order bets because that's how you can win a lot of money. Yeah. And those aren't quite up yet. I don't think, Amico, the trifecta stuff is not up yet. And so we'll have our eye out for that stuff. Last year, you got that crazy like 40 to one number because Trayvon Walker came from all the way back to be mm-hmm. number one. Aiden Hutchinson, two to the Lions. Then, as Evan said, Stingley was the quote-unquote surprise that I think a lot of sharp people were on to come in number three and hit that 40-1 trifecta. Anyways, number two pick, heavy favorite, relatively heavy favorite, Bryce Young, minus 225. Amika, you mentioned a lot of people have Bryce Young as their number one top-rated quarterback. If it wasn't for the size thing, I feel like Bryce Young would go number one overall if nobody knew. They just were watching uh Bryce Young and looking at the numbers and didn't know how tall he was. I feel like Bryce Young would be number one on a lot of people's board. And maybe he still is. Do you think there's any value in this odds to go number two? We assume it's going to be a quarterback here. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's honestly super wide open if it's not Bryce Young, like, uh, you know, Lance Zierlein is kind of the guy for all things Texans. And, 
he definitely thinks that it's going to be bright. He, he was there. on Stingley to the Texans before anyone last year, by the yeah. way. Right, and he had that. So, but yesterday he released his mock, and his mock had Bryce Young at one, and then a whole bunch of crazy stuff happened. Um, and, and I think that, like, you know, some of it maybe, some of it maybe is a bridge too far, but it's like, you know, I wouldn't make the same assumption, I, I guess, about Stroud necessarily being the guy at two for them. You know, uh, Nick Casario has a Patriots background. Like those guys, I think, typically are willing to go in different directions. Uh, he could be into Will, Le- uh, Will Levis. He could be into Anthony Richardson. Neither of those things would surprise me. Uh, and it wouldn't like, I would be surprised, but I guess I wouldn't be completely blown away if what he projected yesterday happened and they went defensive too, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the background of the head coach and, and, and some of the, you know, the alignment with, with the uh, Amadas and stuff like that. So yeah, I, I think Houston is actually very tough to figure out that Kenyon green pick last year was a huge surprise by them. I don't think that they necessarily adhere to the, to positional value like a lot of other teams. Um, so I, I, obviously there's a, there's that domino effect based on what happens with the first pick. Uh, but I, I would say it's Bryce or potpourri. I mean, I think that it's really very wide open if he's not available. See, I, I think it would be really bad for Houston not take quarterback here. And, and you know, I, I think it's a very strong quarterback class. You cannot count on picking number two in a strong quarterback class very often. I, I think they need to take a swing on quarterback. If you're not convinced that it's CJ Stroud, or Bryce Young, maybe there's some options there, but prices are getting pretty short there. I don't know, Evan. I mean, I think it would be crazy for Houston to go back for another season with Davis Mills, but yeah. any thoughts on number two? Um, well, I, I said before that I haven't gotten any information, but some some I, I have a little bit of information. I don't even know whether to trust it, of course, but it was that uh, the Texans really want Bryce Young at number two. Um, so in this scenario where Bryce Young goes number one, then – it becomes a wild card potentially at number two. The Texans internally love Bryce Young. They love his character. They're not too worried about his size. Uh, they compare him internally to Drew Brees. Um, yeah. He's an excellent, you know, just he checks every single box except for mm-hmm. the height. Uh, and, and so if that information is correct, which I don't know if it is, okay, but that's just what I've heard. Um then if the Panthers were to take Bryce Young number one, then we could see a wild card situation. And I, I suppose it's possible that Lance has heard the same thing that, that I heard that, you know, the Texans aren't beholden to, to taking a court. They really want Bryce Young. And right. if he doesn't follow them, then, then they become a wild card. If they go defense, the assumption is that it would be Will Anderson. Will Anderson is a big dog to go number two, but Will Anderson is the second choice to go number three at plus 300. Of course, the pass rusher, out of Alabama, incredibly, incredibly productive. But as Evan said, Anthony Richardson is way more likely, at least in the betting market, to go number three than Will Levis. Anthony Richardson minus 160 to go third. Will Levis, seven to one to go third. It seems like a bit of overconfidence there in the market to me, Amico, in this Levis versus Anthony Richardson conversation. What do you think about that? And anything, thoughts on odds to go number three currently uh, held by the Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, and with respect to the quarterbacks, this is reflected in their matchup also. Richardson's over a minus 200 favorite head-to-head with Levis. Um, yeah, I, it could be a little bit of overconfidence. I, I would say that at this juncture, you know, unless you, unless you believe that the Texans prefer Levis to Richardson and if Bryce Young goes one, that they would take Levis at two, which I, I actually do think is in play. Um, 
I think that if, if we pass those two teams and both of those quarterbacks are on the board, I, I do think that Richardson is, a, is rightfully a heavy favorite. Um, obviously has the the measurables, the upside in terms of the, you know, the rushing and all that stuff. Um, but most of the conversation that's been around Will Levis over the last, I don't know, week and a half has been with him falling a little bit further down the board. Now, Daniel Jeremiah, I think, has been pretty adamant about the fact that all four of these guys are going to end up going high at the end of the day, top 10, top seven even. Um, but it does seem if you're just kind of piecing together what's out there right now, it does seem that Levis is the one that's falling a little bit further down the board and that Richardson would actually be a bit of a commodity uh, with Arizona potentially trading out of that third pick. Right. And, and the assumption, of course, is that Arizona either takes Will Anderson or trades out uh, and probably more likely to trade out so somebody can come up and get their quarterback. Evan, any thoughts on predicting trades here into Arizona's spot at number three? Predicting trades is, is really hard, yeah. but I feel like... It, Especially three weeks out. A way to hit long shots is certainly to project trades. And we're going to talk yeah. about a market here in a second where like projecting right. trades is... is I, really I mean, I, I would like project a team to trade to number three. I just have obviously have no idea who that's going to be. Sure. Yeah, the, you know? the thing that I'll note there is just that um, kind of an interesting situation, like with Monty Ossenford being a, a first-year GM, but you know he has relationships with guys in Detroit, he has relationships with guys in Vegas yep. and he has relationships with guys in Tennessee and all of those teams could potentially be trading up for a quarterback. So I think that they're kind of uniquely positioned here to get this thing done. Right. Uh, Scott sent in a question. He said, I usually look at dart throws for any player to be drafted by team X prop. Mm. And then he says, does Will Levis eat enough kneecaps for the Lions at number six for him to be a destination there? I think, and I talked about this on a, video we did which you can probably find on our very prestigious tiktok or instagram but i do think that the lions should be taking swings at quarterback you're it's going to be really hard to win in the nfl given the state of how top heavy quarterback is without having an elite option i don't think jerry goff can be that and so i like the idea of the lions taking quarterback i don't know if they'll do it but generally speaking these player to team props you can get insanely long prices and a lot of them the longest ones you can get is if you project a trade. In other words, Patriots trade up to number three and take Anthony Richardson or something crazy like that. You can get insane long shots on that stuff. So yes, I think there is value and reason to look at the player to X team markets. Evan, any thoughts on the Lions taking a quarterback possibly? They hold the number six pick Mm -hmm. in this draft. To me, like, and they, they, they wound up being pretty pass heavy, but I mean, they, they played to their, their strengths last year uh, where they, they were very successful as a passing team, but I think they want to run the ball and, and they could have a dominant rushing attack with Anthony Richardson as their quarterback. They wouldn't have to put a ton because, you know, he's still, he's considered like raw and developmental as a passer still at this stage of his career, they could sort of ease him in that way. They could even give him most of a year, if not a full year, because Jerry Goff is, you know, a, a top 20 NFL starter probably. Um but that that makes sense a ton of sense to me on paper. The Lions, you know, fielding a, a dominant rushing attack with Anthony Richardson as the guy that they're eventually going to drop into that spot. Um, I mean, they're going to be able to run the ball, period. But they, they could have a truly dynamic uh, ground game, I think, with Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I don't have the price up right here, but I do think Will Levis to the Lions is thirty to one. Um, I think I saw that. Yeah, I feel like Will Levis is like too much like Jared Goff. Yeah. 
It's not a great, it's not a ring endorsement of Will Levis, <laughs> but well, that's, that's yeah. for another podcast. Well, Will, I, I saw him play a game against Missouri last year. And I just, I, I couldn't believe how, how hyped up that he was. And, um, I, you know, he's got physical tools, but the production wasn't there. I mean, I'm sure that the spreadsheet socialist does not like Will Levis, correct? Well, no, no, I'm, I'm middling this take, Evan. I oh, are you? Okay. Yeah. I, I think that, um, I think that we're generally like way overconfident on these QB evaluations. Well, so yeah, for sure. If the market is, te- if everyone's like really confident that he's bad, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, buy a little bit above that and, and, and profit. I feel like yeah. that's probably the best course of action. Yeah. Also, didn't Will Levis uh, lose his job at Penn State to Sean Clifford? And, you know, I don't watch a lot of college football, but losing we, are. Your, we are Penn State. <laughs> losing, losing your job or not being able to beat out Sean Clifford to start is uh, uh, not the best sign. But anyways, we'll talk about more about all the talent stuff on a future episode. First defensive player is an interesting market, Amico. I mean, it's like a foregone conclusion, allegedly, that it will be Will Anderson, minus 550, to be the first defensive player taken. You can get a guy like Tyree Wilson, 10 to 1 right now. I don't know if that's just torching money, though. Is it almost certainly going to be Will Anderson here, first defensive player off the board? Yeah, I think that there's room. I think there's room here with some of these long, longer shot guys. I mean, think about where we were a month ago and where we are now. I mean, uh, Jalen Carter is 12 to one. He's been considered to be the best player in the draft. Tyree Wilson hasn't gotten a workout in yet. And that's supposed to be a huge strength for him. You know, both of those guys definitely could go down in price between now and the draft uh, and the corners as well. I mean, if it, if we go QBX four to start or, or, you know, say, say Seattle swaps with Arizona or something, who's, who's to say that Arizona necessarily is going for an edge defender. They have a mm-hmm. unique corner as well. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that, you know, the top two corners and, and the next two guys on the D-line, all viable, uh, this, you know, to look at if you're trying to portfolio this thing. Uh, I definitely think that this is less of a dumb deal than the odds would suggest. Yeah. I took a couple first defensive player last night. Uh, I went with Tyree Wilson, which, who, by the way, in Lance Zierlein's mock, Tyree Wilson is the first defensive player drafted. Lance isn't the greatest mock drafter. I'm, I'm not taking shots at Lance. I love Lance. Like I, I know him personally. I've known him for a long time. Great guy. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy. Um, you know, but he's more of like a, a, a scouting presence. Like he, you know, he does all the, the the profiles on NFL.com. You know, and he does an unbelievable job at that. Yeah. He, his mock draft track record is not the greatest. It's not bad, but it's not the greatest. But I did find it interesting that Tyree Wilson was the first defensive player drafted in his latest mock. I also took a shot at Devin Witherspoon at 30 to one to be the first defensive player drafted. Um, You know, like Amico was explaining, like teams need corners there. There has been, it's really unbelievable how the cornerback play in the league has fallen off a cliff over the past couple of years. And and, and we could see teams prioritize them because there, there, there are a couple of really good corners up top. Yeah, especially, I mean, Sauce Gardner was a massive difference maker for the Jets, like yep. right out of the gate. And that might give some teams some confidence mm-hmm. to spend on corners early here. Next market I want to talk about was who will be the second running back off the board. Obviously, it's a foregone conclusion that Bijan Robinson, one of the best running back prospects we've seen in the last decade or so, will be the first running back off the board. I was a little surprised that the market is like all in on Jameer Gibbs minus two thousand minus two thousand to be the second running back off the board is jameer gibbs that, imagine betting that i mean i mean you're that a strikes total me as, 
I mean, he I, and I, I've seen the comps on him, you know, maybe a slightly less powerful Alvin Kamara. Like this is the type of running back that we want in today's NFL still, though, Amico. Minus 2,000 strikes me as crazy. I guess it's not, I, I don't know, like Chabernet, uh Spears. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's Sherbert, isn't it? Yeah, Sherbert. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> he's a dessert now. Is it? A, a, a <laughs> I fixed the I fixed Jameer's name at least. I think I hope, but yeah. Anyways, Amico, go ahead on the second odds to be the second running back taken. Yeah, I mean, I'm torn here because I think that if you're looking at a lot of the evaluations, a 95% confidence in Gibbs doesn't seem crazy. Like it sounds like he's the only other running back that's in contention to go in the first round. Uh, you know, he's the only other running back that's in, you know, Jeremiah's top 50, like a, a couple of these ranking uh, systems. Char- Charbonnet is, is, uh, is, is in the top 50 now. Oh, he's in the top yeah, 50. I, I think he slipped in. He was like 48 last time I checked or something. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that's basically what we've seen over the last few years is like, once you get into day two, like anything can happen. Um, it's kind of like choose your flavor. And, and Gibbs definitely has a very particular flavor. Like he's, the receiving back, he's probably not a guy who's going to be a workhorse, 20 touches. And if you want a guy like that, you are probably going more with a Charbonnet uh, type player. So um, I, I could definitely get around Charbonnet at plus 550. I don't love it. Um, but, but I think that the confidence in Gibbs is probably uh, a little strong. Um, but, you know, there's going to be a bunch of backs, I think, taken on day two. I, I would expect Devon Chain to go on day two. Tajay Spears, I think, has probably earned that at this point. So... Uh, a bunch of guys could potentially jump Gibbs yeah. uh, just depending on what the team likes. It seems like a pretty good class for one guy to be minus 2,000 to go second strikes me as crazy. And yeah. Any thoughts on here before we move on? Not really. I did want to go back to Jalen Carter because J- and Jalen Carter is like such an interesting prospect because kind of, you know, the off-field stuff and how he was considered uh, – at one point in this, in the uh, during the college football season, or maybe even the majority of the college football season, that that he was like might be the number one overall pick. I mean, you know, um, w- one thing that I have heard is that um, uh, the Seahawks could look at him at number five, um, and that would align with the theory that uh, maybe that that we go quarterback times four to start. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, and the Seahawks are willing to take chances on, on players with, um, you know, with, with character concerns. Uh, absolutely. And uh, also I was listening to uh, one of Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah's latest podcast. He thinks that Jalen Carter is not going to get by the Eagles at number 10. So I just thought that the, that those were interesting okay. uh, notes. Yeah, for sure. Super interesting, especially in that first defensive player market there some major long prices yeah as like Jaylen he's 12 carter. to 1 on DraftKings right now jalen carter's 12 to 1 to be the first defensive player drafted i think that's i think that's worth a little bit a little, little little bit of sugar right there okay my favorite market almost every year but certainly this year has been super interesting which wide receiver will go first so like there was some jsn stuff out there early on that was like Three to one, like he was not the favorite. Like it was a lot of Quentin Johnston was the favorite. It flipped very, very quickly to the point where now everybody's just writing it off. Like JSN is going to be the guy. It, it's somewhat, um, I think, notable that JSN has been like almost exclusive slot guy, and teams typically look for more versatility when they're using round one, high round one picks mm-hmm. at the wide receiver position. In that Discord I was talking about earlier, we did bet Zay Flowers 
uh, at plus 600, plus 650, plus 700. He's now four to one. Quinn Johnston, I thought, tested really well, but it seems like people are giving up on him. This guy, Addison, is 10 to one, but Dale Jeremiah has him as his number one mm-hmm. wide receiver. And so it strikes me as really wide open. Amico, any general thoughts on this odds? Which wide receiver will go first, market? Yeah, I think this is where you get into trouble betting on the draft is when you start imprinting your personal valuations of the players onto where they're going to be selected. And I think that a lot of people feel that, you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba is the best receiver. I mean, certainly the fantasy bros, he's the highest in like our dynasty rankings, for example. Um, But that's not how we make money. We make money based on how these teams do it. And if you look at slot rates, I tweeted about this last night. Uh, no one with Jackson Smith and Jigba's slot rate has gone in the top 15 at receiver. Now, it's not a very good draft class overall. And he was also hurt, like, for almost all this past season. Right, and he barely played this year. So, you know, to me, it's difficult to have that level of confidence in him. I mean, first of all, find a team that's taking a receiver that high. A lot of people say the Titans. I mean, I don't know. Ron Carthon doesn't really strike me as as a guy that would take receivers when he's talking about not playing Golden State Warriors football or whatever. Um, yeah, maybe the Patriots at 14. But but the point is basically this, like that there's other players with more versatile usage uh, and that still seem to be uh, favorable with some of these national guys, some of the guys who are who are basically, you know, scouts and would align closer with maybe what the NFL guys think. Um, so I think the JSN market is, is out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, at current prices, I definitely like Addison the best at 10 to one. I mean, and like you said, he's, he's number one on Jeremiah's list. He's played at two different schools and had good production. He only played in the slot like 20 or 25% of the time last year at USC. So he's kind of displayed that he can maybe play outside uh, a la Devontae Smith. Um, so I, yeah, I think that there's a lot of reasons to think that, you know, a, a receiver is going to go before him, especially when you're, you're thinking about like if a receiver is not even getting drafted in the top 15, like we don't see the top receiver come off the board until 17, 18, 20, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that just is going to inject more variance in, in the outcomes. Like this is not Jamar Chase. This is not, mm-hmm. you know, these guys going into top five, top six, mm-hmm. where we feel really good about it. Yeah. I, I think part of the narrative on this JSN stuff is that everybody's saying he's better than Chris Olave. He's better than Garrett Wilson. Brian Hartline says he's the best wide receiver he's coached, et cetera, et cetera. Like the public is really getting in on JSN big time. You can also see it in some of the underdog drafts where JSN is going very, very, very high. I think for fantasy, like Amico said, slot receivers in fantasy is a printing press. NFL teams might not see it the same way. Jordan Addison, by the way, Evan, 5'11", 173, I believe, mm. were his measurements, which weren't, like, I could have seen him weighing even less. Like, I, so, you know, I, it, it, the, but the recent success of, like, Devontae Smith yep. and Marquise Brown, like, I think helps guys like this. Any thoughts on on the wide receiver market? Yes. Um, The first thing I think that we should think about when we try to go through and look at the receivers and try to figure out who could, who could go earlier than expected are guys that can run Uh, because that's, what's been happening. You go back to John Ross a couple years ago, no one expected Jalen Waddle to go number six overall. And then last year, Jamison Williams, who's coming up ACL went 12th, Olave, I think, um, went a little bit earlier than expected. He went 11th overall. Even Henry Ruggs. Henry Ruggs, yeah. Um, You know, so these speed receivers, teams can fall in love with them. Uh, I don't think that that's Jackson Smith in in, in Jigba, but I think that um, 
I think that like Jalen Hyatt is uh, is kind of interesting. Someone mentioned him too when um when you when you brought up that we're going to do this podcast, Adam. That he that someone took him at twenty two to one to be the first wide receiver drafted. See that makes sense to me uh, as a long shot right now. Again, I don't think it's going to happen, but I think from a probability standpoint, where we stand right now, this dude can absolutely fly. Um, he played a, a a lot in the slot but he was like a vertical slot receiver, um, which kind of reminds me of Jalen Waddle, who, again, went number six overall, and uh, Henry Ruggs, actually, uh, as well. But uh, but that's kind of what I would be looking for if I'm looking for a wide receiver in particular to really outkick his projected draft slot. When people are thinking about long shots or even regular bets, I'd encourage people to convert the money line to probability. In other words, like, Jalen Hyde is 22 to one or, or whatever the best price is. If it's 22 to one, well, you only need to be right like five or 6% of the time for it to be a good bet. Now you're going to lose a lot of the time, but it can still be a plus EV bet because again, only five or 6% of the time do you need Jalen Hyatt to go first. And Miko, do you think Jalen Hyatt has a five or 6% chance to go number one, uh, to be the first wide receiver off the board? Yeah, I, it might be that's exactly that small. I mean, he, He's another guy that seems to be kind of moving in the wrong direction. Um, didn't run quite as fast as people wanted to at the combine, only 4-4. I mean, still very fast. Um, and I think the the offense that he's coming from in Tennessee has gotten a lot of negative publicity mm-hmm. um, as being very gimmicky. You know, they, they play very wide splits, and they let Hyatt just get the best matchup and run through the middle of the field. Um, so he seems to be kind of traversing down, but there's, there's plenty of guys who are faster than Jackson Smith and Jigba. I mean, it's not really like a necessarily mm-hmm. a difficult task. Um, one thing that stood out to me, I know we already mentioned that Jeremiah has uh, Jordan Addison as the number one receiver. It's not like, actually, it's not even very close. He has, well, this is not, uh, Jeremiah just put out a new um, top 50 today. But in his previous top 50, he had Jordan Addison as the number nine overall player and then no other receivers until number 23. You know, he's got him as the number one receiver by a wide margin. Yeah. Jeremiah is more plugged in than, than anybody. You know, we've talked about it. He's been offered GM jobs, turned him down. He's got a be- better gig just hanging out, going to Padres games and <laughs> calling the Chargers and, you know, doing his NFL network stuff. But, like, he, you know, he – and he's also, like – really good at, at making relationships. I mean, he's like, like everybody just loves the guy, Yeah, you know? So they'll, they'll, they'll give him information that really stuck out to me. Not just that Jordan Addison is Daniel Jeremiah's number one receiver, but that he is by a large margin. Yeah. Okay. This tight end class, man, people are falling a little all over themselves to cause, say this is the greatest tight end class in history. Results of round one tight ends in NFL history is not good at all in fact downright bad and a lot of them happen to play well on their second contract which is not great for the team that originally drafted them in round one michael mayer is currently the slight 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 favorite dalton kincaid is in there darnell washington is in there seems like any of those three have a realistic path to being the number one tight end off the board amico what do you think about the state of the odds to go first tight end market yeah, I think that my general approach towards this position right now is just to fade Michael Mayer. Um, again, this is like another situation where I think we probably like him the best for fantasy. I think that he's maybe the most complete of the tight ends, but these other two guys that are right after him in odds, I think, you know, for the right team is going to come ahead of, ahead of them. I mean, Dalton Kincaid, he's older. 
but he has gotten a lot of love throughout this process. Again, especially from guys like Jeremiah, uh, just for his ability as a pure pass catcher. I think that what we've seen over the years, you know, the, that's what teams want to do. They want to get the mismatch against a linebacker or a safety. You know, they're using these guys more as receivers, big receivers than they are as true inline tight ends. And that's kind of what Kincaid's deal is. So, you know, a, a team liking Kincaid ahead of Mayer, to me, uh, would not surprise me. And I think actually it probably should be favored. Uh, that's a matchup you can bet uh, directly if you don't want to, you know, if you don't want to take the risk that a, a Darnell Washington comes in ahead of him. And, and and honestly, Washington is a total freak show. I mean, this guy is like, he, he he's tall, he's big, he's fast. He's I remember agile. that dude as a freshman. I was like, oh, what is like, that out there? He's insane. I mean, that, he's a freak. Absolutely. <laughs> So, you know, the, he's a way better athlete than Michael Mayer is. And he's also a three-year player. He's equally as young. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of paths here for, for Mayer to fail. I mean, if he were to become a, a sizable dog, I would definitely look back on it. But, you know, right yeah, now – What does fail mean? What does fail mean? You, you mean like go l- later than expected? Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, see, you're getting – Michael Evan, Mayer is not going to fail. You're getting Evan riled up because sorry, you're, sorry. You're, you're just – He's a Matthew Award winner. I respect that. No, he's and, not. And, <laughs> he's not. He's and a I'm Notre Dame guy. He's a Notre Dame guy. That's yeah. why Evan's getting all. Yeah, all but Michael right. Mayer is really, really fucking good. I yeah, I mean, really I think basically good. we we entered the process with him being like an expected top fifteen pick, and I, yeah. I think if the markets are kind of still leaning that way, I think he's more end of day one. I mean, a couple of reports have him slipping to day two. I, I don't think that's going. I don't think that's necessarily going to happen. Yeah. But, you know, he really didn't test very well at all athletically. No. And, and we've seen that that matters a lot at this position. Yeah. Shoot. What was his three cone? Do you know? Uh, I don't know offhand. You, but you I, I just know he was a yellow guy on Rats. He was not in the green. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's like Todd Heap. You know, the, 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 um, the, the big comparison for him right now is Jason Witten. Um, it, stuck, it, stuck, it stuck out to me that Jeremiah in, again, not his latest top – top 50, but the, the one previous to that, he had Dalton Kincaid number 11 overall. That's really, really high for any tight end. Um, I, I think it's it, it's interesting to, to note, like just the complexion of the draft itself. Is this draft very good? Amico, do you think this is, that this is a good draft? Like, no. like, no, I don't think so either. So, Maybe teams can talk themselves into these tight ends a little bit more. I mean, there, there's like, I think McShay said he had six tight ends in his top 62 or something like that. Um, maybe these tight ends, you know, despite the fact that the rookie tight ends have just not really done much of anything, maybe these teams, because this, this draft is so weak, these teams will talk themselves into taking really good prospects at this position that usually takes a few years to, uh, to mature. Yep. All right. There is a bet out there I wanted to talk about how many quarterbacks will go in round one. Over four and a half is only plus 110, which surprised me a little bit. I guess there's been buzz lately, Amico, that Hendon Hooker could go in round one. And that's why this line has kind of crashed down a bunch. Hendon Hooker, of course, started his career. Originally, Tech ended it at Tennessee, whose offense we already talked about. Seems like a lot of hype to get five quarterbacks in there. Obviously, we know four are going to go in round one. But you're almost solely depending on Hooker, I think, if you bet the over here. Any thoughts on this bet? Yeah, I mean, I I don't think I would bet it now. I think it's gotten to be too short. But I I think that it was primed to be taken when it was like plus 550 a week ago. Because, I mean, kind of along the same lines with the tight end stuff, like the class isn't that good. So Mm -hmm. if I can get a quarterback on a a fifth-year option 
um, and he's a player that we like, uh, why not? And I, I think that this is different. This is different to me than some of the previous iterations of like basically this conversation, like whether it's Davis Mills or, you know, Sam Howell or whoever, like kind of like that next quarterback is at some point, there's always been some conversation about him getting into the first round. To me, this is different. I mean, Hooker, I think was a guy that would probably have already been maybe solidified is the wrong word, but would be in much better position had he not gotten injured. I mean, he was on track during the college season to win the Heisman. And they, they beat Alabama, football. didn't they? Didn't they beat yeah, Alabama? He, he sh- and he shredded Alabama. Yeah, and he shredded them. So I think that he was trending towards being a first-round pick before he got hurt. So now we're kind of just seeing bounce back on that versus it being like, oh, you know, here's this Hendon Hooker guy. We need a quarterback. Um, so I kind of think it's legit. Now, how legit is it? Maybe it's only 40-60 that he gets in the first round. But for a long time, that was not really priced in. So I think now it's probably priced about fair. We could see this trend towards even money even further. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, but I, but I, th- I do think that Hooker is different than you know some of these other trends where people, I think, traditionally have just pounded this under because it, it almost always is a good bet. Uh, but I, I do think this year is a little different. Yeah. yeah, Jalen Hyatt scored five touchdowns in that game against <laughs> Alabama. That is ridiculous. Yeah, plus one ten implies forty seven point six percent chance, and so if you think it's forty sixty, it would not be a bet. You know, you need it closer to fifty fifty or fifty five forty five in favor of Hooker going in round one. All right, we asked for uh, a bunch of questions, got some good ones here. Go through these uh, quickly here from Daniel. He says, given the limited offerings to date and tighter limits overall. Do you think we will see any operator willing to post draft props with liquidity and total offerings similar to years past? Or is this the new normal for the NFL draft betting landscape? So Amico and I actually have actually talked on the side about this concept and this thought a lot. Books have gotten shredded. I mean, from what we can tell, I, I don't know for sure. But the reason they've gotten shredded lately on drafts is what I said at the top. In the last three drafts, NFL, NBA, NHL, the consensus number one pick who Thayer thought was going to go number one, has not gone number one. And so the books have been getting crushed on long shot stuff. Now, I, I don't think that's going to make them gun shy on posting. It may make them gun shy on posting anything with real limits. And so people come in, they bet $5, they bet $10. Books get a bunch of information from that. And then the market's kind of sapped like that. So I don't know, Miko, how would you compare the market this year at this time where you know three weeks out, four weeks out compared to how it's been in the past? I mean, the, the menu is definitely not as big. And I, I think that, you know, more books are probably going to take that Caesars type approach where, you know, Caesars waits a little bit longer. Circa waits the longest. I mean, they wait till like the week of the draft uh, before posting a full menu. I, I, I tend to agree with you where it's like, you know, they're going to get this stuff up eventually, just a matter of when, right? I mean, the earlier they post and the, the more, the sooner that they give you liquidity, the more risk that they take on. But if they do it later on, uh, you know, they're, they're probably not especially with some of these longer shots as liable to, uh, to get crushed. Yeah. I mean, this is a very popular market. People love betting drafts and they love betting the NFL draft specifically. And so you could say, so well, fun. it's so fun, but, and you could say, Oh, well, why did they even offer it? They're just, they're just going to take a bath on it. It's marketing, right? Like they're okay losing on it. If they are losing on it, I have no idea. There's probably a lot of idiots out there that, that are uh, just kind of blindly firing into this stuff. So yeah, I'm still optimistic, but like Amico said, it's, it's, you know, not the same as it's been in the past. Uh, question two from Joshua. He says, is there an aggregated site you prefer to odds shop with? I typically do this stuff manually because I have not found a good odds shop tool for this. Uh, Amico, is, do you find anything that updating like in real time on these markets? 
I, I can tell you for sure. I I I don't. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean we are just like full hands in the dirt on this one, right? And and, uh, and that's and honestly, that's one of the reasons there's like a big edge in this is like you know people aren't scraping this. Like you can I, I can go through and check like five or six books that I think have NFL draft props. Takes me five ten minutes to do so, but um, yeah, I think it's worth it. Uh, question three from Swimming to Toro. He says. Thoughts on Bijan Robinson going top 10. I think he's going there, but markets have him priced more mid first round. Evan, we've had this conversation a ton. Mm-hmm. Is it worth taking a running back in the first round? Is it worth taking a running back in the gasp top 10? I think pretty firmly no, but maybe Bijan is such a special case. Any thoughts on Bijan going in the top 10 here, Evan? I think that he's not going to get, get past uh, the Texans at number 12. Um, and I think that, well, we talked about how it's a weak draft. Number one, number two, I think that teams see him as not just a running back. They like can talk themselves into this dude is like a jack of all trades. We could use him like Debo Samuel. I mean, he's a really, really good receiver. So I'm not saying it's right, but um, I, I think he's going to go really, really high. And it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes in the top 10. Mm, interesting. Yeah, at all. Uh, Amico, any thoughts there? Odds that. Bijan, I don't know if this market's up, but odds that Bijan goes in the top 10 or, or top 15? No markets yet. I mean, I, I think that Washington has been a very popular team, so I could see this over-under being at like 15 and a half or something when it's posted. But I'm with Evan. I mean, you look at every big board across the industry. I mean, this guy is like top 10, top five. I think DJ had him at three today. Like the teams that are drafting off the board – are going to have Bijan Robinson way higher than we are. And, and some teams that are like that, that we know that we've seen, you know, I mean, Atlanta, we've seen draft that way. We've seen New England draft that way. We've seen Houston draft that way. Um, and there's probably more teams than that. So, you know, uh, I think the NFL is going to be substantially higher on Bijan than, than, you know, your average person, maybe just taking a look at this is. And uh, yeah, I think, I think top 10 is very possible, but I think definitely top 15. Uh, question four from Scott. He says, it's pretty widely known to listen to DJ for Jets clues, Zierline for Texans, et cetera. Are there any beat writers slash sources you look to for draft info on specific teams more than others? We were talking about this a little bit pre-show, and I think we all agreed that for the most part, national reporters are more plugged in than local when it comes to draft stuff. In other words, uh, Kuiper or McShay or Zierline uh, um, uh, or Peter Schrager and, and guys like that. Evan, when you're looking for news here when it comes to the draft or at least rumors, anybody or any points stick out to you? Well, he asked about specific teams, like linking report reporters or analysts to specific teams. Well, I'll tell you what, anybody that works at NFL Network, listen to them for Rams stuff because, um, you know, Kara Henderson, I think her name is now Kara Sneed, like worked at NFL Network. they Schrager gets information from the Rams, like straight from the Rams, you know. Um, They're never picking the first round, so huzzah to us. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mike Lombardi, I think, is always interesting to listen to regarding the Patriots. Uh, Charles Robinson, I wouldn't wouldn't tie him to a a specific team, and he can be a little bit all over the place, but he he gets some good nuggets. Like there's no question. Mm-hmm. Um, Dane Brugler is really an information man. He he get nuggets every once in a while. I don't think he wants to give those out very much because I think he is tight with people in the league and you know, he's, he's, he, he does his thing, but he's like more of an information man. Brian brought us on Twitter 
who I think he's mainly on the radio in Dallas now, but Cowboys stuff all the time. Just if you want Cowboys stuff. Used to be in the Cowboys front office, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, those are just a a couple guys off off the top of my head. Cool. Any anything from a macro perspective stick out to you, Amico, about how you go about looking for nuggets slash information? Yeah, man, I think for the particular rumors and stuff like that, I want to lean on the national guys. But I mean, these these beat reporters, I mean, their whole job is is gathering information. So you know, we I'm not necessarily looking to them to tell me like, oh, this is who uh, you know the Washington Commanders are looking to draft. But I am looking to them to source all the team level information in terms of like the press conferences and you know, maybe the history, the drafting history of the GM, uh, you know, these beats are, are are excellent at their jobs in terms of gathering all that information. And I think that makes it easy. So, I mean, I'm, I'm partial to the most of the guys at the athletic, um, but I think, you know, there's tons of other great beat reporters out there that you can lean on. The, the, the beat writers. Um, yeah. I, I totally agree with that, that take uh, the, the beat writers can actually lead you in the wrong direction a lot. There was somewhat infamously last year, one, and I'm not going to say his name, but one Jets beat writer was just adamant that the Jets were not going to take Sauce Gardner and they took him, you know, and he had this list of reasons why that wasn't going to happen. And it seemed like the information was good. And obviously it was horrible. It it wouldn't even surprise me if the Jets like, were like, Hey, like we're like, let's mislead this guy. Yeah. But I, yeah, you got to be be very wary of the beat writers and lean on the national guys it, for the draft. If I was a GM, I would be trying to get out there. If I liked Sauce Gardner, I'd be trying to get out there that I don't like Sauce Gardner. I mean, that's like, I mean, an absolute <laughs> no brainer. I mean, so, so yeah, I mean, absolute stone cold, no brainer there for sure. Um, okay, that is going to do it for this first look, this initial look at the NFL draft prop markets as we sit here on april 5th about three three and a half weeks ahead of the 2023 nfl draft amico tell the people where they can find you on the twitter machine yeah uh at amixta very simple um I've, we have a whole bunch of dynasty stuff obviously coming there too but we'll be tweeting about the draft and all that so yeah amico's been crushing the rookie profile as far as if you want to get caught up quickly on who all these guys are ahead of drafts Go and refine Amico's. You can find those all in the NFL tab up on the site. Be sure you're following at Evan Silva as well. Evan, have you got your Twitter blue set up yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't know. I mean, are you going to do that? Neither have I. It's on my list of things to do, though. It's on my list. It's on my list. What do you get to do? Pay eight bucks? Correct. I see everybody complaining about it. Yeah. It's eight yeah. bucks, guys. Come it's on. A it's a mess. It was it eight bucks a month? Eight bucks a month. Okay. All right. We can do a whole other podcast on Twitter in the state of Twitter another time. <laughs> I have many thoughts, but I can't share them now. This has already gone on long enough. For Amico. For Evan. For producer Luke. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm-hmm.